My name is Dr. Selva. I'm a consultant obstetrician and gynecologist at Makuta Medical Center, Malacca, Malaysia. Welcome to my podcast entitled Surviving Private Practice in Malaysia. There are many private hospitals in Malaysia. Most of them are owned by government-linked organizations or by businessmen. Very few are actually owned by doctors. Today, we are fortunate to have Mr. Timothy Chang, who works for a private equity firm, TPG Capital. And they have set up hospitals where doctors become part owners of these hospitals. This is a very interesting concept, and we will learn more about this from him. Welcome to this podcast, Mr. Timothy Chang. My first question to you is, uh, please tell us about what work you are currently doing. Morning, Dr. Selva. Even this question is something that sometimes we I, I have issues answering because there's so much work. But officially, I'm working actually in a company called TE Asia Healthcare Partners, and we are funded by TPG Capital. So we don't do all of TPG Capital's investments, but we we are funded to do specifically single specialty hospitals in Southeast Asia. So my work in TE Asia includes uh, deal sourcing. This means looking for possible investments as well as working with doctors who are keen to set up their own hospitals. And, and because of prior experiences we have in, in, in hospitals, uh, we will then be able to work with our doctor partners as we start hospitals and the management team to get the hospitals to where the doctors want it to be. Which also means that I sometimes hold executive positions uh, in these hospitals. Most recently, I was CEO of CVS KL over the last two years. Is your equity fund only doing healthcare uh, industry or are they doing other things as well? So TPG Capital invests in many things. Uh, I mean, they, they are investors in pathology Asia, which are Dribbles, Kinipath. Uh, they are also investors in tech companies. They have also invested in uh, chicken farms. So they do uh, investments, but in the company that I am in, TE Asia Healthcare Partners, we only invest in hospitals or ambulatory centers in, in specialized areas like cardiology, oncology, orthopedics uh, in Southeast Asia. So far, how many, what different types of hospitals have you set up? So we have eight different oncology, call them brands, right? We have eight different oncology brands across Southeast Asia, and this spans from Hanoi, Hong Kong, Philippines, Surabaya, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore. We've also got cardiology. CVSKL is uh, running. Uh, we've got two new cardiology product, uh, projects coming up. Actually, one of them in Jakarta has already started uh, operations. And we've also got orthopedics. Uh, we have an orthopedic hospital in KL, Alti Hospital, and Jalan Ampang. So you started off with oncology. Am I right, Am I right to say that? And then move on to CVS? Yeah, that we opened. Uh, was the cancer center in Hong Kong and CVSKL shortly after that. Uh, but CVSKL, mainly because it's a full-fledged hospital, the licensing and the refurbishment of the building took a bit longer than the cancer center. You, you can imagine the, the huge difference between a place with OT and ICU versus one that is inside the office building. How does it work? The doctors approach you to start this or do you start uh, on your own? How, how, how does the whole process start? When, when our first project, both actually Hong Kong and CVSKL, the doctors were assembled by the doctors. And then we were then approached as a possible partner when we sat down, worked together and tried to understand what the doctors wanted to do and the vision that they have put together for what they want to do. We then ran the financial models, um, made some tweaks to it, telling them what will be viable 
And what are areas that it's best left to government hospitals, right? Because we, we don't want to come in and do everything. It's part of the ecosystem. And, and from there, we agree on the terms. And when the doctors feel that it is worth the risk to do these investments, because they're all at the peak of their careers in different hospitals, um, that was when we sat down and signed the documents. Uh, I think this was in August 2015 for CVS scale. So does doctors have the majority share or T Asia has the majority share? In CVS scale, T Asia has the controlling share via a structure, but the doctors actually hold quite collectively hold quite significant stakes, but not the majority, because I mean we 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 want to make sure decisions can be made, right? If you have no majority or controlling shareholder. I think this formula is something that most investment funds will not accept because decisions have to be made to get things going. Even when people don't agree, you still need to get decisions made. Why do doctors want to do this? Do you, do you, can, you tell, can you answer that question? Why does the doctors want to set up a hospital by themselves instead of working for a say, government-linked hospital or a, or a businessman-owned hospital? I, I guess this, this is not a surprising thing, right? I mean, there are many people who have been... In fact, if you, if you read about it, uh, Harvard Business Review, Wharton, um, have always published that uh, entrepreneurs usually start probably in the 40s, um, nearer to 60s, and, and the later you start, the more uh, likely you're going to succeed. Right? And this is in all industries. <clears throat> Many people work in different areas, and when they feel that they have some expertise and they understand that area well enough, there's a high chance of making it happen. Um, that's when they are more confident to give it a shot. Um, but why do they at this point of time want to do this? I think it's a combination of push and pull factors. Pull factors of bringing everybody together in CVSKL, I recall was that they were they were actually quite excited to work together because they knew, they know each other and, and they're all quite respected in, in Kuala Lumpur, even amongst the medical fraternity. And for them to see an opportunity to work with partners, it's like a club, right? And that, that got them quite excited because they've done everything they needed or could have done in the respective hospitals. If there's something they wanted to do, it's probably to work with this team of people. But there were also push factors because in the respective hospitals they were in, I imagine they, they have worked very hard. Um, and at times, and I've seen this myself when I was working before, management comes in and changes and makes decisions. And, and then you annoy them constantly. And when this builds up, the push factor does make them think that, you know, if I want to do something right, let me show them how it could be done better. That's usually the push factor. So both a push and pull factors um, I saw in the CVS care doctors when it came out. Uh, I mean, of course, you you there must be a group of doctors who can work together, who will probably come together to start this kind of venture. Am, am, I, am I right to say that? You are absolutely right. Uh, I think if there's a group of doctors who don't know each other coming together, even we would not want to invest in a venture like that because there's no difference in buying a piece of land and then recruiting doctors, uh, right? So so you, you do need a core team of doctors who have come together. And therefore, we've always seen that as even CVS Care over the years, when they bring more doctors in, it's actually an invitation by the clinical practice, which is the, the, the doctors in CVS Care. They invite doctors to come. The management doesn't go and look for doctors uh, at CVS Care. Uh, so, I mean, doctors being doctors, they are, a lot of them are selfish. Well, how different is it that they they work in a government, I mean, in a, in a, in a, another, say, a businessman-owned hospital compared to working in, say, for example, CVS. What, what do you see? I mean, you have been a CEO in, in a different hospital and you have now been a CEO in CVS. What is the difference in the interaction between the doctors in CVS compared to other hospitals? 
Well, I, I think it's, first of all, hospital to hospital is different um, because uh, a lot of the dynamics in each hospital is dependent on, on the incumbent management team and the doctors and what agreements they've had and how they've managed that, right? So I also think we probably cannot stereotype all hospitals um, because it's really quite different. The model of Makota and Glen Eagles where doctors can own their own clinics uh, versus Columbia Asia where, where it's more uh, community hospitals and doctors are recruited um, mostly as employees, I think. Um, so it's, it's very different, first of all, from hospital to hospital. But at CVSKL, I actually see the doctors taking joy even when their colleagues are doing well. Right? It's because when, once you build as a team, when your teammate does well, you will celebrate with your teammate. And when things are not going well, let's say COVID-19 situation, everybody then huddled together and, and also provided support. Right? Support could be someone taking on the responsibility of doing COVID-19 training in case we had a patient. And, and they all do this voluntarily. So when you have a collective of a team and you're looking out for each other, it's very different from when you're second guessing what person is trying to do. Is he your competitor? Is he is he uh, taking patients away from you? I think this is what uh, usually uh, wraps doctors uh, in, in most hospitals. So the collective makes it very different. Um, you can see in the behavior. And, and, and the best part is the collective is not limited to the doctors. They know the stuff. In the hospitals because they feel like these are their stuff. They are the shareholders. They are the people making the decisions. They review the performance appraisals of the people. And at times, it's not to put people down. It's to say, let's help uh, this staff, right? Because he or she is not doing well. And let's maybe this year help help them out. So, so they, they, the sense of ownership is positive. Of course, there are some times when they quibble and all that. But that's really like what siblings do. Siblings or husband and wife quibble. Um, but you know you're part of that same family and then you get on with it. Okay, so you will say that a doctor working in an environment like this will be happier than if he's working in a business-owned hospital? I think if you make a choice and you acted on your choice um, and it's doing well, then you should be happier, right? Because you, you, you made the choice. But having said, if you made the choice to go to a government-linked hospital and you're doing well there, then you should also be happy there. Right. A lot of this is what does the doctor want to do? And if you've chosen to do this and it does well, you will be naturally happy. It's not because one place is better than the other, because you wanted something. So everybody wants different things. I, I recall a doctor who told me that uh, her priority is to go home at four o'clock every day to cook for the family. That makes the doctor happier. right? And if she was in this hospital, she may not have been happier because there's so much involvement right? and she doesn't want it. So it really depends on what you want to do. I mean, personally, one of the fears of growing old is that you are actually, as you grow older, I mean, as doctors, we all we only earn if we work. Whereas mm -hmm. in a hospital like CVS, because you are part of a shareholder, you probably think that the hospital, other people work and you can make money. Is, is that one of the factors why doctors are drawn into this kind of setup? So, so I understand. Um, so... So a doctor earns doctor's fees when they see patients. And when the hospital has income in, in diagnostics, in the laboratory, in the current situation in most hospitals, the doctors do not uh, get part of that. Of course, having said that, if you are in the Pangwe Pantai hospitals and you are a shareholder of IHH, which is a listed company, then technically you still get a share of the hospital income, right? Because you can buy and sell shares uh, of that company. So, so that is not so dissimilar from CBSKL, where they are also a shareholder of the hospital. But I think that doesn't change how the doctors uh, do things clinically. What I think is the big difference in 
a hospital like CVSKL is that when the doctors invite younger cardiologists to join them, they are happy. I mean, these are people they have identified and then they will be transferring their patients to the younger doctors. Because right? first you identified them and you're comfortable with them. So when you tell your patients to go see this doctor, because as I'm aging, I want to do less complex cases and all that, then patients will listen because you are their primary physicians. And this happens in CVSKL. So the transition of doctors who are retiring their practices to colleagues they've identified to take over their practice is an ongoing, it's, it's set up like that. Whereas in a typical private hospital, in your own private practice, it's hard for you to get a doctor to join you because he or she can set up a clinic next to you and just take the patients, right? Because there's, there's no, you can't stop them. They're just next to you. Whereas in CVS care, the doctor wanting to take the patients of a senior doctor when they retire, uh, taking over their practice, has to be in the hospital, right? So it's, it's I think the transition of practice uh, continuity of care for the patients that you have been working with for the longest time because um, many of the patients you work with are probably younger than you and, and as you age they, they still will be younger than you and they still need care after that if you have a partner that you're comfortable with and of an equal caliber status it's easier for the patients to have this continuity of care and, and if you are a young doctor which would you join a hospital with many senior partners or a clinic with one senior doctor because he or she will feel subservient to the one senior doctor and therefore don't want to do that because in their own rights as a specialist, the moment they came out to private practice, they probably think they're as good as all the doctors who have worked many years in the hospital. Yeah, I think the, the what you're saying is, I mean, one of the things I feel is that I've worked in this private hospital for 27 years and I if I retire, I lose all the goodwill that, that I've created here you will the goodwill has got some value when you when you work in a hospital like i mean when you own a hospital am, am i right to say that yes yes uh but so so there's risk um and and i think you, you've asked me before uh why do doctors take the huge risk to set up a hospital like relocating their practices and you know staying in your current clinic is an equal risk um of course if all things work well you retire and you're happy um the times when you could be ill right and you can't work uh, your patients are not taken care of. Uh, you don't have an income. Like you pointed out, doctors earn from doctor's fees. That in itself is also a risk. Uh, but somehow most doctors think uh, they will never get ill. Actually, I very seldom see doctors get ill. Um, so in that case, there's a risk because there's risk of business continuity in that sense, risk of your practice continuity. But in a setup like CVSKL, or if you came together with another few doctors, or even in a good practice, there's less risk because when you're ill, you trust your colleague to take care of your patients. Um, your income still is there because the hospital is still generating income, right? And as a shareholder, when you get dividends, um, you, you still get part of that. So the risk, I mean, there's risk in both sides. It's just which risk you think it's worth, uh, worth taking at which part of your career um, you want to try out. So you will say that retiring from a hospital like CVS will be uh easier than retiring in, in another in, a, in another setup so so you yes so I, i've seen doctors um, in a typical hospital when they retire and, and usually retirement means uh, that you can't do long surgeries right um, because in, in medical world there really isn't an age where you have to retire not like uh, employees at 60 years old uh, there's a retirement policy but when you do complex surgeries um or when your eyesight is not doing so well or when you don't have the stamina to to finish uh, surgery that's when you decide to slow down um, and some patients you you can't and then you refer out to your colleague right 
So that's like retirement process in the private practice. You slow down gradually over time, uh, but you still go to your clinic every day. Like doctors don't leave the hospital. <laughs> they don't like being at home, I think. They, they want to be at the hospital. They want to be engaged. Even when they see patients walk around, you can see they're engaged. But in CVS care, it's a similar process, except that when you come, when the slowing down process, when you come to the hospital, you still feel a sense of happiness that this is your hospital, right? It's not just that you're, it would be a bit miserable if you go to a hospital and everybody is busy and your clinic is quiet. It's a different feeling from when you go to a hospital that's your hospital and although you're slowing down, you're happy that you work with people to build this. And this is still something that you will want to see every day, even when you come in for two hours a day to see outpatients. That, that is still something that I think a more enjoyable retirement process than it if you went to a clinic and everybody's clinic was busy and then yours was uh, slowly doing down, because right? you, you probably had a lot of pride in, in how well you built your practice uh, over the years. So yes, I think retirement process in your own hospital, it's probably an easier process to manage. How do you make doctors work together? Is it because they are already working together and then they come together? Or so I, <laughs> In CVSKL, um, we, because they identified themselves as team members, we, we don't it's not us who make them work together. They, they already wanted to work together. So what we do then is to come into areas where if there's something they want to do, um, but they've been busy at a clinical practice, then we support them. Right? And then if anything, we help in the communications between the doctors. Like when our doctors want to do clinical research, and this is an ongoing thing in CVSKL, uh, we will facilitate the administration of getting all the doctors organized, um, what are the research that we want to do, and provide the admin support to, to doing the papers, the published publications of these things. So it's, it's very much supporting the doctors in what they want to do, identifying the different aspects that they are each interested in, because not all of them want to do the same thing. Some, some of them are quite happy uh, engaging the vendors in finding out what are the new products that's been coming up. Um, and negotiating for better prices. Um, some of them uh, likes uh, clinical research. They, they want to be involved um, and they, they do uh, a lot of, they go to a lot of conferences sharing what they, they learn. Some are more hands-on. They want to be practice um, teaching younger doctors how to use specific devices. So we identify what they want and then we work with them. So in this case, we don't make them work together because first of all, they came together. Um, they want to work together. We just help them in what they want to do. Um, but I can see your question more relevant when I was the hospital CEO in, in a hospital where the doctors were not shareholders. That really took effort to get people to work together because in the environment where a new doctor will appear every few years and, and the incumbents are, are, are happy, then you have to take in a lot of effort to Make sure that people get along, having little events, having uh, gatherings for birthdays. So those are more, it's more active work in making people work together in that hospital, much less so in CVSKL. I mean, you make it sound like this is an ideal way mm. of working, especially for established doctors. I mean, do you get many established doctors trying to come together and start a hospital like this? No, actually not, uh, not a lot. I mean, I've got people asking or talking. And we describe this, um, but this is not for, I mean, this is not something that everybody wants, right? A lot of doctors, actually, I think majority of the doctors wants to focus on the patient, the clinical care. So if they get an environment where they're happy and they're treating patients, um, they have the equipments they need, they have the competent staff that they have, then they're just really happy because treating one patient and one patient gets well in itself gives them an, I don't know, adrenaline rush or happiness. 
um, some satisfaction. It's a very uh, episode one. Each patient is like an episode of happiness. Whenever. So for a lot of doctors, actually majority of doctors, they, they are happy doing this. They, 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 they know that the doctor's work is very much like a craftsman's work where you, you do the craft uh, individually and you're a master of the craft and you get joy from the work you do. I think majority of the doctors, well, because they are doctors who, who aspire to do more, that if I can do this, why can't I do that? So there are a, a smaller segment of doctors like that. But this is pretty much the same in all industries. And, and you can also then see that the concept that we did at CVS Care is not a new invention. This has happened with the lawyers for the longest time. The lawyers have practices. Groups of lawyers come together and set up firms. Um, some of these firms are international and very big. Um, some are a lot smaller boutique because they, they prefer to work alone. It has also happened in the accountancy field. Um, the auditors, your big four, PwC, KPMG, Deloitte. Concept of partnership, equity partnership um, also applies there. So it's not a new concept. It's just that we, we managed to find a way to put it into the hospital. What, what I would like to know is how do you decide which group of doctors you will support? If you understand what uh, I mean, yeah, that, uh, that will be an interesting question. Yeah. I'm sure people come to you and then you will have to make the analysis whether this, this system is going to work because it sounds very good. I'm sure many, many doctors or group of doctors may be approaching you and asking you, can you help us set this up? When, how do you decide? So, yes. Um, so, Alti Orthopedics Hospital is a second group of doctors. They're orthopedics who have approached us to do something similar with them. And, and there will be a few... And there's another project, two other projects that we're working on as well. Um, so how do we decide who to work with? So usually this is how maybe my own internal SOP. If, if somebody approaches me and it could be a doctor saying that they've got a piece of land or they know someone with a piece of land, um, then I think the conversation ends up very quickly with a thank you, but no thank you. Because we are not doing this just to make money, right? Um, we, we, there's no quota for us to keep doing hospitals. There's no revenue targets and each of these investments are quite individual um, that we are building uh, for the growth of doctors. So if, if you sense that they're doing it just purely to make money and there's no vision that they want to do, it's very hard for us because we don't want to be the people coming up with the vision and then being responsible for, for it, right? Because we are not the, we, we, are, we are administrators, we are not clinicians. We, we can't drive the vision of a hospital, a specialist hospital, uh, better than the doctors. So if the doctors came together and, and said they wanted to do this um, and they've got other doctors who are also keen to explore, then we meet them and identify whether this is possible and then we will tell them that maybe to do this, you need a few more doctors or different specialties and we'll work with them to do that. And it's a process that takes quite a bit of time. Some will drop off. It's an, it's an idea that they actually never really wanted to do. Um, so after a few conversations, it, it just, just goes off, right? But there's some who are really determined because they have been wanting to do this for the longest time. And you can tell, right? Because they all go out and, and uh, call in their friends who they're happy working with. And in the discussions, they are, they are the ones who are pitching the idea to their colleagues. So, so those are the ones that we, those are the type of doctors we really want to work with because we need the visions from them. Our role is to implement it. We are very much like the house butler, you know, if, if the owner of the house does not know what he wants to do with the house, what can the butler do? Right? So it's weird. Most hospital CEOs, I don't know if they will agree with me, we are like the chief butlers. But, but because we are called a CEO, people think we should come up with a vision for the hospital. Right? But we, we are really literally just the butlers uh, in the building. 
Okay, so once you have analyzed that it is feasible, then you how do you proceed with the process of setting it up? So once we've analyzed it's feasible, we will do uh, a few things. Um, first of all, we will always check in with the banks um, to see whether this is financeable because you, you also don't want to get the doctors to come up with a huge investment. And a lot of them have uh, children that's, that's in universities. They don't want to, to, to jeopardize the children's uh, education. And guess what? Most doctors' children are doctors and therefore the school fees are very, very high. So we work with the banks to find out how much financing we can secure. This minimizes the upfront cash the doctors have to put in to do the investment. Um, second, we then also check with uh, Ministry of Health or we look for locations and then we check with Ministry of Health whether it's possible to get hospital zoning uh, in these areas. So, so that's quite a few different technical things that we have to follow up because we've done quite a few of this now it's almost like instinct right? uh, to start a hospital we need to do all that yeah so that probably takes i think two to three months because we have been doing quite a few of these projects we have a better rapport with the uh, banks um, we also um, will be familiar with the people in the ministry of health uh, given uh, I'll work with them. You will be the one who will decide whether this is functional. I mean, doctors being doctors, they are busy. They're probably not, not sure whether an uh, idea is going to be viable or not. So your company actually comes in to look at the viability of the project. Am, 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 am I right to say that? Yes, so that's right. So so in, in TA Asia, of course, there's a lot more people aside from me. Uh, most, most of my colleagues in TA Asia have worked in hospitals before. Um, in hospital management, in hospital administration, and therefore they're very familiar with uh, how the hospital's business models are set up. So we will collectively come together and try to build a financial model based on what information we get from the doctors, what type of surgeries, what type of procedures they do. We know the price of equipment. Uh, we have the estimates for renovations. So we, we then put it together and we show it to the doctors. Um, so every doctor that's an investor, we run this through them showing them the assumptions we use to build the financial model. And when they look at, oh, this is the number of surgeries I'm expected to do. How is that compared to what I'm doing now? And if it's lower, naturally, they'll be a lot more comfortable. Right? If it's too high a number, they're going to tell you, hey, this is not possible. Uh, we, we don't do things like that. So we, we then adjust the financial models again. This is also a very good exercise for us to understand that specialty. Most hospitals, when we set up in the past, you, you have a piece of land, you build the building, do a very generic financial model across like 10, 20 specialties. Whereas when we do our financial models, it's on one specialty. It allows us to better understand the specialty. So it, it should be more accurate. Um, it's been quite accurate, I think, um, because we've always taken a more conservative uh, projection. Yeah, but some, some projections are done to encourage people to make an investment. They want it to look better. Our projections are done to see at what point or what is the lowest that you need to make this work. So it's a it's a conservative uh, projection where if you can hit this very conservative target, so we can we can manage to do this, then it's almost like even work. Doctors being doctors, I think you have worked with many doctors. They are risk aversive. You know, they for them to uh, firstly do this kind of specialty hospitals like CVS, that person might must be on top of the game. It must be one of those who is already very established in, a, in another hospital. And then he say, okay, why, why am I wasting my time in a, in a, in a government-linked hospital or businessman hospital? I should start my own hospital. So they are very well established. What will make them move from this established hospital to a hospital like yours? I guess that answers your question because they are the one who want to do it. Am I, am I right? 
Right. So, so you, you notice there's also uh, a trend. Uh, the doctors in the capital cities like Kuala Lumpur, where they are already traveling from hospital to hospitals uh, to, to see patients, right? Not, not everybody is in one location. So the, the trend of moving hospital to hospital, not just for doctors, for patients as well. Um, for patients in Kuala Lumpur, if they want to see doctors in different specialties, they may not stay in the same hospital, even though that hospital has all the specialties. They have begun identifying where they think uh, their best doctor is and they will travel. So in these cities, um, relocation really isn't that big a risk. I mean, there, there are still patients who will continue to be in their other hospitals, but given the specialties of cardiology or oncology, these are where patients travel. Um, the risk is a lot less um, in big cities. But having said that, of course, this does not apply in every uh, city state, uh, in every state uh, in Malaysia, for example. You probably want to be near the bigger hospitals when you do the relocation because specialty hospitals will need referrals from the general hospitals to do your work. And, and so long as it's not so inconvenient for the patient to get to you, um, I think the patients will still follow. But if you don't have that uh, big general hospitals and you decide to build a specialty hospital like really far out somewhere, then you, you're really taking a huge risk uh, doing that. Like you, you want to build CBS care in Genting Highlands or something. Uh, that, that will be a huge risk. But in Kuala Lumpur, as of now, people are used to this concept. It's, it's no longer a risky thing. And specialist hospitals have been around for the longest time. Tun Hussein on, KL, SMC, the orthopedics. It's not a new concept as well. People do travel from PJ, Pataling Jaya, to Ampang. Um, it's not a crazy distance um, for them to, to travel to see a doctor. Now, let's, let's look at my whole podcast. is actually surviving private practice in Malaysia. It's, it's aimed to younger doctors as well as to senior doctors, I think. So if a young doctor, mm. uh, say a cardiologist, uh, now wants to leave the government service, of course, if he is... Um, Attracted, maybe he is invited by CVS to join will be fantastic, but not everybody is going to be invited. What, what advice would you give them? I mean, they probably have to move and join a generic hospital, a generic private hospital, and work their way up and mm. maybe ultimately think of going into a specialty hospital or stay in the generic hospital. What advice would you give this kind of young uh, specialist? Um, I think the specialists coming out from government hospital. Uh, First, they could be of different ages. They could be like young. Uh, they could have worked a few years and become consultants and not so young. Uh, and then there could be those who are near retirement and still coming up to private practice, right? And they're relatively senior. Um, I think all these doctors, when they first come out to private practice, in private practice, they will be young because they have very little referral networks in private practice. Um, I, I think they, I'm not sure if this is the best way to put it, but I think they shouldn't take their credentials or achievements where they worked with before too seriously. Um, in a new place they go to work, they have to build connections from scratch. Their incumbents who have been there longer than they, they have been. Uh, the incumbents have better relationship with the staff, the nurses and all that. And therefore they understand how things work. So if you, if you join a hospital new, I think you should really first spend some time to know how the place is, what is the culture in that place, uh, what is the law of the land there. And then, and then try to uh, get along in Rome, do as the Romans do, uh, because your, your job as a doctor is part of the entire ecosystem in that hospital. Um, and of course, if you can check out that culture before you join. And when you go in and you start your private practice, um, private practice is built patient by patient. Patient will refer patients and it starts like that. Um, there's really no shortcut to like 
putting a lot of Facebook posts is not just it's not going to bring you a lot of patients overnight uh, unless maybe you're doing aesthetics. Um, but in in the actual hardcore clinical area, it's you, you build your practice patient by patient. Um, so when you go out to to a system in the general hospital, you want to know how that's done so that your patient build up uh, is easier. You have less stress fighting other people or getting uncomfortable with things that are ongoing um, so that you can focus on, on doing what doctors do best and that is treating patient by patient. So essentially, don't take your credentials too seriously and you bring your baggage into a new hospital, you're going to start unhappy um, and that's going to make you really unhappy over a period of time because it builds up. Are you looking at replicating your success in CVS to other specialties? I think you're already done. You're already doing orthopedic hospitals. It's already up already, isn't it? Orthopedic hospital, LT is already up. We've also in, in Beacon Hospital. So that hospital we didn't build, um, but we saw how management and the doctors are already doing what we envisaged a specialty hospital should be doing, right? Um, they're very engaged in that. So we, we, we do, I don't think we will, do new hospitals for the sake of doing new hospitals. Because as I said, we're still involved in helping CVS develop. We're still involved in helping OT develop. Um, but if someone, it's a group of doctors do come by and it's something that we think is viable, um, then we will we will do that. Um, but you don't see us going out looking for doctors. Like, do you want to set your hospital? Do you want, that? We, I don't think we will do that. Anything else you would like to add? Uh... For doc, if the podcast is mainly for doctors coming out to private practice, maybe they, something that people, um, I think that the doctors could do is to plan out their private practice like a career. We, we, we all in, in, in the normal jobs do career path um, planning or advice for the younger doctors. But I, I think this probably may not be available to the doctors coming up, right? Um, because you're so involved in the day-to-day thing. If, if you don't plan out how your practice evolves from you start until you retire, before you know it, you're near retirement and you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, um, I've got quite a few clinic nurses. What am I going to do when I retire and they don't retire? Um, so there'll be all these things. If you don't plan out your, um, what is the private practice you want to build over a period of time, because it takes time to build, then you get a lot less satisfaction. But if you plan it out and you hit certain milestones, you then feel that you have achieved something. Right? And most of the times I do notice the doctors will come to work and because of the amount of time they spend at the hospital, they at a certain point of time, they will suddenly sit up and say, I've put in so much effort to do all this. Um, what did I get in return? Or what is it I'm trying to build? Then it's a bit late, right? Um, because you already built something that um, maybe out of uh, coincidence or accident, this, is that, that, that has become you. It's not a planned uh, path, right? So as per everybody else who does career planning, or, or creates a career path. I think the young doctors coming up wants to do that. So for example, if you are a gynecologist, do you want to end up doing an IVF uh, clinic? Do you want to do, when do you want to stop delivering babies because of the calls? When, so if, if you plan this out properly, um, it's a lot easier to envision why you're working hard at different points of time to get to where you want to be. I think that's what you have done pretty well. Um, but I don't think everybody approaches it the same. I mean, this is very good advice. I think I think uh, when 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 you come out in private practice, there's always a push and pull factor. The same same issue. You are pushed because you know you, you didn't get satisfaction in the government service, and you pull because there is somebody is offering you different things. But you you never plan twenty years down the road. You just plan day to day. I just I just want to see more patients. I just want to make more money. I want to do more things. And then, you know, life just moves on. I think that's probably what everybody is uh, doing in private practice. 
nobody have a career path in private practice. <laughs> I mean, but I, I don't think anybody is teaching this as well, isn't it? It is something that... I think they should do it. I mean, every every other industry is doing it. It's just that doctors work so intense, right? Uh, that you're so exhausted each time. And, and when you do a surgery and there's complications, and then you go home, you're completely wiped out. Uh, you, you can't think. But if you set some time out to plan, because most private practices will take 20 to 30 years. That's, the, that's about, right? You come out at about 40, uh, 30s to 40s, and you work at maybe until 70. Um, and then even beyond 70, you still work. Um, but if you plan it out, you know when you're going to peak, when you're going to wind down, and which part of your career you want to go join the conference uh, routes and start giving talks and build your name and all that. So if you plan it out like that, you, you get definitely better satisfaction as you move uh, along your career. I mean, what, what you say is absolutely correct and true but i think many people are just struggling to make a living especially at the beginning and then they don't know which path to go through so it's just a matter of you know sitting there and, and trying to see as many patients as you can i mean some of them succeed and, and do well and then they they can move on to do other things but it is probably not the same and people coming out in private practice especially young doctors i mean you you said correctly that doesn't mean that you are you have retired at 60 years as the head of department uh, in the government service, you come out and you will do very well. That, that is a very well-known fact. Similarly, a 35-year-old guy who is coming out, he doesn't know what is going to happen in his future. It's, 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 there's no guarantee as well. So how to plan your, your life out? I mean... <laughs> in, in every industry, I mean, every fresh graduate joining the industry, a job, hits it like that and, and they struggle. Every, I mean, I also struggle. Uh, everybody struggles at the beginning. So if you are prepared for it, Right, you know it's going to happen. It's a lot less frightening when you're in it because you know this is what you're going to do. When you start going to the gym, the first few days is going to be so painful. But if you, if you know that it's going to be like that, and if somebody told you you're going to feel like that for three to four weeks and then it's going to get better, it allows you to survive the three to four weeks. But if you don't have somebody or you didn't plan for this, you may have quit the gym on the third day because oh this is not for me i'm going to do something else i'm going to eat diet pills or something that's a lot easier but if, if you bother planning this out you can see in every private practice you come out you will struggle you must be out of your mind to think you're going to come in and you're going to be so busy because you're the best looking doctor or you've got great skills it's not it's not like that right um, no private i've never seen a private practice like that i i have seen private practices where when a doctor comes out um, they get a lot of referrals because there was no specialty. I mean, there was no specialty. He, he, he was a specialist in a new specialty when he joins the hospital. Naturally, you'll get a lot of referrals. But if you're joining most places you, in, in every industry, you built your career, you built your name, there's a period of endurance. And once you cross that, everybody also hits the part where your income suddenly increases. And then you start uh, spending more money and, and the amount of money you spend increases as you earn. So this is very typical. Everybody goes through this, not just doctors. So if, if somebody, I think the doctors sat down and realized that their practice is not so dissimilar from a career, start planning it. It allows them to better appreciate which stage of their life they go through. Actually, an, another good analogy may be all of us, or rather, I don't have children, but most of the doctors have children. First child is scary, right? Um, if you didn't do your planning, um, baby had a fever that's like probably like a, a huge nightmare especially during COVID period like is this COVID or is this baby, is a fever or not but when you, by the time you get a second baby and a third baby you know oh maybe it's the teething problem maybe it's growing pains because you've seen it of course your practice you, you don't do multiple practices your clinical practice has an infancy stage 
teenage stage, uh, uh, young adult stage, it's pretty much the same. I, I think if Dr. Salva, you ask a few other senior colleagues come down and you guys pan down what you've done in that time frame and how your careers, your, your practices are built, I actually think you'd be surprised how similar it's going to be even across the different specialties. Are you planning to replicate this uh, CVS concept in different cities? So we, the CVS concept, the RT concept is quite similar. The doctors are uh, shareholders. And yes, uh, we have a project ongoing in Jakarta, similar. Um, our project in Hong Kong is similar. Uh, the oncologists in the cancer center are uh, shareholders. Um, they also look into management, um, they join management meetings and things. So yes, so if you ask me most, I, I personally will never start another hospital or a hospital if I didn't know who the doctors are. Um, that's, that's me. Other people will do it, right? Um, you've got other hospital groups, uh, Sunway, Columbia, Asia, they will always be building because they are looking at the community, the business needs, supply and demand. But I think I, I personally find more joy knowing what we are trying to create before we go in and try to create it. But what do you think uh, are the patient's point of view? You already answered this. Do patients look for specialty hospitals or do they go to a generic hospital? So far in Malaysia, patients look for doctors. They, they know which specialty of illness they have, but they will look for doctors, which also means they may seek second opinion, third opinion from doctors in the same specialty across the different hospitals. Right? So being a specialist hospital or a general hospital does not affect how the patient's Go. The, the, doctor, the doctor reputation right now in Malaysia, I think it's still how private practice is, what, what it is today. Of course, everybody's trying to move the branding to the, gen, the hospital more than the doctors, but really patients are going doctors to doctors. For a specialist hospital, actually it makes a bigger difference not to the patient, but to the doctor referring. So for example, if you're a cardiologist and your patient requires to do a very complex case, but your hospital does not have the necessary equipment because general hospitals tend not to equip every specialty to the maximum, right? And then you want to refer this patient somewhere and likely then you refer the patient to a specialist hospital that has that equipment because like CVSKL, um, the entire hospital is looking at cardiac and vascular and therefore the resources to invest uh, in the specialties are going to be a lot more than any general hospital can invest in, in those specialties. Yeah. So the specialty hospitals, I think, affects the referring doctor much more than the patients. So moving practices may not become as difficult as before. Uh, I know I know of a surgeon who, who went down to Malacca to work and then went to went back to KL in Glen Eagles. Um, he still gets referrals from Malacca, right? So so moving practices may be scary, but I think may not be so difficult or so uncommon. Now that people are more mobile, more aware, the internet is there, right? They can pick up who the best surgeons are. So if, if, if I was in, in a small, smaller town and my relative had cancer, I'm not going to go to the nearest hospital. <laughs> I'm going to find out who the most, the best surgeon is or, or, or where he is. Maybe arrange for treatment diagnosis, takes one week off to make sure my relative has the best shot of surviving. Right. Um, and with insurance coming up, uh, affluence there, people are now able to make these decisions. That Indonesians travel so far to come to Malaysia is also, I mean, this has been ongoing for years, tells us that people do go to the doctor a lot more than 
go to the nearest place. I mean, this, this is something I personally have always tried to tell people that just because you built a hospital next to the airport does not make the foreign patient stop in the hospital. Right? It just sometimes defies logic when I hear people say they want to start a hospital near the airport so that they can get medical tourists. Um, people who leave their own countries to another country want to know specifically which doctor they're seeing. They don't go there and then shop for the doctor. They know before they leave. So it's not convenience they're looking for. They're looking for the doctor or the specialty or the specialist um, that's available. Thank you, Tim, for this interview. I am sure our audience would have learned a lot from your experience in setting up specialty hospitals in Southeast Asia. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe to this channel to learn more about private practice in Malaysia. Bye.